Welcome to the Social Value Podcast from Social Enterprise UK. This podcast is about how companies and the public sector can have a more positive social and environmental impact. We know that these are issues at the top of the agenda for businesses and governments. Consumers and voters want to see an economy that's fair for people and protects the planet. This is influencing consumers' buying decisions and forcing governments to take greater action to reform business. It's also something that businesses are grappling with as employers. Many people now want to work for companies that are making a positive contribution to society. And if companies want to access top talent, they need to consider their social and environmental responsibilities. But how can companies improve their social and environmental impact? And the topic for this episode, how can they measure these impacts? I put these questions to Michelle Levy, Social Value Lead for EMEA at Jacobs. Jacobs recently joined the Social Value 2032 program, along with other partners, PwC, Siemens, Suez Recycling and Recovery UK, and the Shaw Trust. The Social Value 2032 program is all about encouraging an increase in the adoption of social value and procurement. This is to help the public and private sectors maximize their social and environmental impact. I found this chat with Michelle really insightful. I hope you do too. Could you start by telling us a bit about yourself? What do you do at Jacobs and what's your relationship with social value? Yeah, so um, my role is social value lead at Jacobs uh, Consultancy. I, I mainly work in the UK and Europe at the moment, but we do I do have a global interest with ensuring that we're embedding social value across the business. Um, I worked prior to joining Jacobs in a construction company for a number of years through the growth of social value we started in the sort of community liaison space and then as the CSR and social value agenda grew I started leading that within the organisation and working closely with our clients our projects and supply chain so I've sort of been in social value probably for about nearly 20 years which feels like a really long time but it has grown from a sort of a background of a sort of the community liaison and communication skills. Thank you, Michelle. That leads me on to my first question, which is, given your 20 years experience in this space, why do you think companies and governments are particularly looking to boost their social and environmental impact at the moment? So I think there's a lot of influences on the agenda at the moment, and I welcome all of them because it's really nice to sort of see it being at the front and centre of decision making and procurement. But I think it's it's a mix, really. I think we've all seen... Um, the stark inequalities that have been evident during the pandemic and I think we can all see and witness the growing um, income divide across the UK and, and other parts of the globe and I think we've all got a duty to do something about that and to try and um, reduce that gap and also sort of support the UK government's levelling up agenda but I do think some of the introductions of recent social value frameworks such as a PPN 0620 for example is really sharpened the focus on social value and made companies move away from sort of inputs and activity to really sort of think about well so what 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 outcome does this lead to does this actually have a positive impact on society rather than it being a tick box exercise and then obviously companies are are positioning around the ESG um, agenda and making sure that we can demonstrate effective strategies and environment and social governance. And, you know, with the, the new generation of 
employees this is this is a huge deal to the next generation of of gen z's looking to work for responsible employers so i think there's lots of things driving it but i think companies that aren't embracing this at the moment will potentially find themselves being left left behind in a few years if if they don't get on board now you've mentioned about inputs quantifying and understanding social and environmental impact one of the biggest barriers I pick up from talking to companies and public bodies about why they aren't doing more to increase their social and environmental impact is that it's difficult to measure. What do you see as the barriers to measuring our impact? I think it's it's a challenge and I, and I think many businesses rush into measurement and monetization of social value because we're familiar with the language of quantification of money and pound symbols and that kind of makes sense to some organisations whose primary focus isn't social purpose or driving social value, such as engineering or construction. So it's very easy to kind of default into, well, let's measure it and then we can demonstrate what we do. But I do think that there's, there's problems to rushing into it because the culture needs to be in the right place to actually deliver positive societal outcomes. And just by measuring it doesn't mean that you're actually going to be generating positive societal outcomes for the communities that you're focusing on so I think I, ha- I have a, a different take on measurement I think it's really important to understand how you are supporting society and to potentially use it to baseline what you do but I think it's really important to make sure you've got the right culture in place first and then focus on investing in the frameworks and tools that help you monetize and measure impact. I think clients have a difficult time with this because obviously that's an easy way to demonstrate that their supply chain are delivering against social value commitments. But I think after working in a social value space for so long, there's so many sort of, not problems, but so many sort of contradictions with some of the measurement frameworks that are out there that it, it's very hard to compare like for like when different clients, different projects, different localities are using different measurement tools. And I think there's just a bit of scepticism around that and a lack of understanding of how how it is monetized and how these calculations are made. Because it is, you know, it is a science essentially and, and it has to be, you have to follow through the correct processes to actually understand the impact. But I do think there's space for them and we've invested recently in a bespoke social value measurement tool because I think it's part of our journey and it's part of understanding what impact we have and how we can improve going forward. So there is a time and a place, but there's also like an element of caution, I think, in terms of rushing into it and actually making sure you have a framework, um, a culture and an appetite before you think about rushing into monetization and measurement. You've talked about culture. How important do you think a social value approach is within a company? Can it transform the way a business like Jacobs thinks about itself and its operations? And do you think that culture change can have a long-term positive impact on the communities and places you're trying to operate in? Absolutely. And I mean, you've got the opportunity to do something differently, but to benefit your business and society at the same time, the win-win situation. So if we're thinking about a social value plan that benefits the company as much as the community that's when you've got a real recipe for success so looking at 
not going too far outside of your comfort zone, looking at what you do as an organisation and developing activities that meet your need, but using the, you know, supporting local community, for example, looking slightly different routes for apprenticeships, internships, work experience, for example, not going down sort of uh, the default settings for all those. You can do things in a different way that really sort of brings a sense of pride to local offices and to employees that see Jacobs, for example, taking the step in the right direction and doing the right thing. I think there's lots of amazing um, academic studies out there where corporations have really struggled with staff engagement and they've introduced some sort of high-level social value CSR type of activities that have sort of empowered their employees and really made them have a sense of pride in the workplace and give back and actively you know proactively give back to the local community so I think it can have transformative qualities definitely and I do think um, you need that the leadership appetite and buy-in and and leading by example to do that effectively I think it's you can have a grassroots approach and parts of the our social value plan are, are very much formed from a grassroots approach but you need to have that open door and that that ear of the leadership team to actually make this a success and then communicate that success to the other employees in the future future younger generations that want to come and work for a responsible employer so yes I think it's got great potential to completely um, change an organization for the better. You've touched on another key issue that often comes around when considering how to make companies more socially environmentally responsible and that's leadership how engaged is Jacob's leadership team in this work? Is it the thing that has buy-in at the, at the top of the organisation? And from your experience of helping businesses to understand their social value, how important is leadership? Is it the key ingredient to making a project successful? Yes, I think it is the key ingredient. I think that without um, a willing leadership team, it's very difficult to um, instigate or create the right culture. With support, you know, doing social value well, costs money it's not free you need budget you need managers you need advocates champions training tools and systems if you're going to go down that route and obviously you need um, the leadership culture to be open to these ideas going forward now at Jacobs we have very much got sort of doing well doing things right as part of our, our DNA and and we we always seek to kind of make sure that we're contributing positively and it's part of our sustainability strategy from the top down and embedded throughout the organisation. But the UK is really taking the lead at the moment on the social value agenda because of the policy and, and procurement notices that are really driving it and client demand. So it's it's kind of um, a no-brainer with our leadership team at the moment because they can see you know, there's a client work winning benefit, there's an individual employee well-being benefit there is a you know we're living and breathing our values by doing this but also you know the sense of pride that they get involved in in championing something like this across the business so yeah I think it's it's very important and we do work with lots of clients as well we we offer consultancy services around social value and where we see the most successful programs is, is when you've got all the leadership aligned and, and people allowing the individuals that know what they're doing to kind of crack on and give them space and budget to do so. So yes, absolutely important and pivotal part of being a successful social value programme. 
What have the drivers been of that within your business? Is it a recognition of social responsibility and corporate citizenship more broadly? Is it about winning contracts? Is it about a personal leadership journey, an individual who's taking this forward? What do you think are the factors making this such an important part of your work? So I think at the moment, it's a mixture of all those things. Um, and we can't shy away from, you know, clients are increasing their focus on social value in bidding. And that is very evident in the data and the questions that we're being asked are becoming more complex, higher in weighting. And that's been really driven by the PPN 0620, which kicked in in January 21. We've seen a sharp increase in that. And obviously we need to respond to what our clients are asking of us. And um, that is a huge driver. In it. And, and, and we're not, not shy to back away from that because, you know, we, we need to be a financially sustainable business. And some of our clients are now weighting social value up to 20 to 30 percent of the overall bid response. So that can be, you know, the difference between winning or losing work. So so that's definitely a key driver. And obviously, a lot of our clients are public sector and local government, and they are wanting to maximise local spend and deal with issues such as a levelling up agenda. So we have a role to play to support our clients to do that and to demonstrate the value that we're bringing um, outside just sort of money and contracts, etc. So so that's a really big driver and the legislation and the social value act behind it has really sort of driven that over the, the last 18 months to two years but i i think at jacobs you know we have some really good corporate strategies around inclusion diversity safety and sustainability and sometimes it's difficult to understand how you operationalize them at a local project level so different to construction we don't have those physical sites where we're embedding in the community for two or three years and then we move on we have a sort of dynamic working model where we have offices across the UK and the globe but we need to respond to local need but we might have a project team based using experts from all across the UK so so that's 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 a bit of a challenge for us but it means that we need to develop a way of showing how we're supporting our sustainability inclusion diversity strategies from a project level and that's what our new approach does it basically gives project teams the guidance the training and everything that they need to kind of operationalize our vision for being a truly sustainable business going forward so so it's it's kind of been led by by the UK definitely and and really been changed and, and shifted by by policy and changes more recently but it's absolutely part of what we want to do and, and what we want to to demonstrate going forward now you've mentioned leveling up and as we record this there's some political instability around that agenda uh, do you think that this will stay on the agenda regardless of changing political leadership do you think that maybe leveling up has opened people's eyes to the potential for this and now that the door is open it can't be closed does the political environment, whether it's at a local or national level, have an impact on the way that a company like yours thinks about social impact? I think that box has been opened and we can't really close it now. And it's not been driven particularly by any particular political party. It's evident in how society is functioning at the moment. The wealth inequality gap the cost of living crisis the difference between the north and the south 
you know, where we're choosing to invest our money as a country, devolution of cities. There's so much focus on the social economic impact of these big mega projects such as HS2, for example. There's a real scrutiny on how and why the government is spending money and does it actually benefit everybody? Is inclusive growth or part of the decision making process and and for me I think it's evident from the social value act being created as a cross-party bill back in 2012 there's an appetite to understand across all political um, parties that we, we have a duty to kind of address some of these challenges that we're all facing at the moment and you know we're, we're a tech savvy social media generation now we can go and find this information we can read the statistics and you know we can go in and find out what's happening to our local communities and and our cities and I and I think it's not going away um until that that income gap is reduced essentially so yes uh, we've opened that box we're not going to put the lid on it um politically I don't think or corporately and we all have a responsibility to play to make sure that that gap doesn't widen anymore. You've mentioned Jacob's work on helping people to maximise social impact. What is Jacob's approach to this? How are you working with people practically to take this forward? You've mentioned working with your project teams and some of what you've done with community engagement as well. What is the Jacob's approach, as it were, to maximising social value? Uh, Not giving away any trade secrets, but to give people a flavour of the kind of services that Jacob's providing. Yes, it's a good question. And and we've been on a a really important journey around this for the last couple of years. So we realised a couple of years ago that we were doing some really interesting projects up and down the UK, but we weren't necessarily understanding the impact that they made or understanding what they were and how we could learn from them, how we could grow. So over the last two years, um, we've been conducting a strategic review across the business and we've had steering groups at senior level and we've had practitioner groups set up a tackling some of the themes that, that we want to focus on. So we've we've really sort of engaged a diverse mix of stakeholders and also clients and, and all our sort of materiality assessment work that we do for our sustainability planning. That's all kind of come together to sort of help us realise where our, our gaps were and where our strengths lied. Um, And what we've tried to do is move our focus away from inputs um, and outputs. So, you know, number of events and number of hires, etc., to an outcomes focus. And we've done that with our partners, Symmetrica Jacobs, who are a boutique social value consultancy who've been involved in creating, you know, HM Treasury guidance over the years. And we've used their expertise to identify the activities that we do as a business that actually positively contribute to society and then educate and inspire our projects and our offices to understand what that actually means. So we've set ourselves a very challenging ambition for 2025 of becoming net positive across our UK portfolio of projects. Now, this is something that we're just doing in the UK at the moment but it really does mean that we we have to sharpen our focus and empower local teams and local projects to deliver social value and that's where we've seen the biggest successes so where we have 
local teams based in a an area where they've grown up their families are working nearby they're really invested in those communities we're doing some really amazing things and we now have a way of recording that understanding what that means and and baselining how we perform on an on a year by year basis so it, it is a big challenge um but we have engaged across the whole entire uk business at every level and everyone's behind our approach but what we've you know what we've had to do to make sure this success is is empower people so we've, we've done training we've done guidance we've done inspirational speaking and um, all that kind of stuff to sort of help people understand well what actually does social value mean what what does net positive mean what does it mean to have a positive impact on society so yes yeah, so that that's where we are at the moment we only launched that strategy back in march so we're still very early days um but yes because so far so good are there any particular examples not necessarily within jacobs but that you've seen personally where there's been a real focus on social and environmental impact what for you does good look like in this space i think it's we should all have a thing or two to learn from social enterprises essentially i think where a environmental social purpose is built into the business model is where you see the biggest success stories and the most amazing inspirational um examples and a a good friend of mine has a social enterprise and i've always just been in awe of how she's managed to run a business for the last sort of 20 years but to help so many people gain employment and essential skills and also all at the same time as as helping reduce and um, recycle items and, and things um they're an inspirational sector and i think the corporate world has a lot to learn from social enterprises and that's where yeah that's where we see the biggest success stories but i think from my personal career experience I've always been as a main contractor I've always been very inspired by some of the smaller suppliers that we've worked with because I've seen that social value and positive outcomes is just sort of built into their DNA not only because they care about the communities that they work in but they see you know they want to recruit locally they want to help the kids out from the school down the road they want to make sure that they've got a passionate and educated workforce and that's something you know they don't even call it social value sometimes they don't realize all the good stuff that they're doing but it's when it sort of happens as a happy accident I think is is really positive and really great to see and that's very hard to mirror at a large scale with a large larger corporation Um, but we've definitely got some lessons to learn from those small businesses that really care about where they work and the people that they employ. So social value is definitely not something for the big guys, but for the little guys as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's fundamentally part of their sort of talent attraction and and how they recruit and gain sort of a loyal and long-term highly skilled workforce, essentially. Obviously, I completely agree with you about the inspirational value of social enterprise, so I'm pleased we've touched on that. One final question, thinking about people listening to this podcast, whether they're from a private sector background or a council leader or a council executive, what advice would you give to other leaders in this space about how they can go about advancing social value? What would be something you want them to go away and think about? So I think, back to the point I made earlier, don't rush into measurement and monetization until you've tackled culture. So make sure that you have an engaged leadership team um, and engaged employees that that actually feel like they can be part of this and and 
do something positive for society going forward. I also think we need to recognise that this is different to, you know, social value doesn't come for free. And the more money we can actually invest in resourcing to manage effectively and lead um, around the social value agenda in a company, I think that's really important. You know, it's a lot of people say things don't happen if you don't measure them. I think things don't happen if you don't manage them. And I think expecting it to happen organically is sometimes a mistake that maybe Jacobs have, have, have been subject to in the past, actually. And you just need, you know, it's amazing what you can do when you've got some dedicated resource and management techniques. So I think they're sort of the, the key bits of advice I'd give. So don't rush into monetization, get the culture right, and also make sure that you have some resource managing this and leading it. Michelle, thank you so very much for sharing your social value experience with us. It's been really enlightening. Thanks very much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Let us know what you think about my conversation with Michelle using the hashtag socialvalue2032. Please join us again on the Social Value Podcast for more advice and support on how to make your organisation as socially and environmentally impactful as possible. You can find out much more about Social Value at the Social Enterprise UK website, www.socialenterprise.org.uk.